I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at fanduel.com slash Boston and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the A-List podcast. A-Shrod Blakely, Gary Washburn. I'm Kwani Lunis, and we have finally come... (laughs) To the end of the road. Cue the music. Why are you going to bring Boys and Men into this? <laughs> Actually, what's his name was singing that yesterday. Um, our good friend Mark Spears. He was standing on the parquet floor singing. <laughs> it's he was saying it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, and he said someone should make a reel out of that. I, clearly, Celtics fans wouldn't be too no. easy, but not today. Let's yeah, let's just get right into it. Rip the bandage off because there's a lot of healing to be done right now. What's first reaction? Game seven, they lose at home. The Celtics are done. The Miami Heat are moving forward to play the Nuggets in the NBA Finals. Shooting was terrible. There are so many things we could say, but what's your first reaction to the game seven loss? Incredibly disappointed. Uh, not just because they lost, but just the way they lost. I mean, they, the, they, they, they didn't fight to the bitter end how I thought they would. They didn't play with the kind of just uh, sense of urgency that you were hoping that they would. Uh, If anything, they just, so many of the mistakes that we saw throughout the season, things that you would hope as the season progressed, that they would correct, manifest themselves at the absolute worst of time. Uh, They didn't get good bench play. Uh, Tatum was not himself physically. And and Jalen Brown uh, was the worst version of Jalen Brown that we could see. Uh, A turnover machine of the likes that we've seldom seen in a, in a game of that magnitude. And it all, uh, again, added up to just an absolute ass whip. And, you know, it, it's, it's raised a lot of off-season questions that are, are going to bring about some uncomfortable conversations uh, among players, among front office, and among that coaching staff. So uh, a really leaves a real bitter taste in your mouth this, the way the season ended. Yeah, I thought it was embarrassing. I thought that they ran out of gas. I thought they were just, and I didn't think they would be the one that, I thought Miami would be the one after the game six that would be would be like, okay, we're done. But I also thought too, Miami came out slow and the subs were up nine to four. And I just think that was their lone opportunity 
to turn it into their to take control of the game. Like that was their lone chance. Like, like Miami was going to warm up, but you punch them in the face. Remember game five, they jumped up 20 to five. And then Miami could never, Miami evened it up and played them even throughout the game after that, but they couldn't, they couldn't make up ground in that, that deficit. And I thought, okay, here's Celtics. I think Miami started like two of 11. Yeah. Missing shots to turn the ball over, you know, and they got off to a slow start. And I thought, you know, obviously the Tatum play was just right, right away. He wasn't the same. It looked like, oh, he just tweaked it. He'll be fine. But he, but obviously it was a much worse than uh, we thought. And obviously it affected him throughout the game. But I just thought there's just a lot of just mistakes, missed shots, bad, bad threes, the Malcolm Brogdon stint where he obviously just didn't look near ready to play. And he was a minus 15 in seven minutes. And that, that's that hard was the to difference. do. Yeah. And, and, and Grant was bad. Um, you know, it's just, it's just like Miami exposes your weaknesses. They make you, they show you a mirror and make you look at yourself. And the Celtics spent seven games being exposed, even the wins. And I'm saying, and I think they're the more talented team. I don't know if they're the better team. Obviously, I think the better team won. And I think they did, they still had an answer for Caleb Martin. He had everything. He shot 60% of the series. Like, like he just was just a killer. He was the reason that they came back in game two. Remember, it's something like a 12-point lead in game two. Look like, okay, they 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 got a little shook in game one, but they're about to make a statement in game two and pull away with an easy win. And Caleb Martin hit a couple of threes. Like he what I felt was a difference in the series. Um, you know, and I just felt like the other guys, Struce hit key threes. Gabe Vincent. And I think Gabe Vincent showed you what the Celtics might need. He's a dude who can get to the rim and get in the paint. He's crafty. And I'm not saying Marcus isn't crafty, but I just think what was exposed in this game is the Celtics need some interior scoring. And they don't have anybody in that roster who can do it. Like, I'm not talking about Tatum driving from 30 feet away from the rim and scoring. I'm talking about a dude who can hit an eight-foot J, a post move, Look at Bam out of bio. Like, Bam's not perfect, but he can dive at the rim. He can dribble. He can shoot the little hook. He can shoot a little short J. Like, you need that. Robert Williams can't do that. It's been his four years. Al Horford's afraid to shoot at the rim. How many times he catch the ball in the paint and was just, he didn't even think of shooting. Eight yeah. feet away. He has lost all of his interior game. This dude lived in the paint when he got into the league. Then he figured out, Three-point shooting is going to be my way to play 16, 18 years, which is right. But he's lost his whole post game. So Al's uncomfortable posting up and getting a little quick two. This last night was a game they needed to get twos, not threes. The three wasn't falling. Okay, we're going to get to the free throw line. We're going to dive into the paint. We're going to attack that defense and get easy points, lobs, whatever. But they don't have anybody to do that. So I just think... It was just a sad testament to a philosophy of three-point or die and Joe Missoula just being stubborn with like, well, if we don't make threes, we don't win. And it's like they shot 20% from threes in the last two games of the series. Miami shot almost 50%. You know, 
And the, the fact was Miami was terrible in the paint in game six, but they were good, efficient from the paint and efficient from the three-point line. And nobody besides Derek White made any plays. Like nobody, like Gabe Vincent made plays, Jimmy made plays, Adebayo made plays, Struess hit a three, Duncan Robinson. Why can't you, to me, if, okay, you got Hauser and Duncan Robinson. They're kind of alike, right? And I'm not talking about just because they're white, but they both can shoot the damn three. They're both really good shooters, yeah. Yes. So when teams are chasing them off the line, why don't you run Sam and some backdoor plays? You know what I'm saying? Like, why you got this shooter? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, and I got a question, Joe Mazzula. Like, you got these guys in the, you got, you, like, you had Hauser there. Okay, like, he couldn't have helped you. He's an elite three-point shooter. I get it. Defensively, he's a, he tries on defense, but you hide him. The, the Heat, Duncan Robbins is not a good damn good defender. Okay? Well, but he scored 18 points in these games because he... Uh, he never stops moving. He does backdoor plays, and then he can get open threes when you put emphasis on someone else. And it's just like, I don't think Joe used all of his ta- all of the talent he had to the advantage. And then when Tatum got hurt and Jalen was awful, that was it. Like the number three, you know, and Malcolm was hurt. I mean, you can blame it on his elbow. He just had nothing in this series, and. So I just think it was just the Celtics were exposed. They got a lot of issues to to shore up because honestly, they're going to be the favorite to win the East next year. And all the other East teams got all the East teams got problems. Mm-hmm. The East, the, the Heat are not the the Heat like the Heat are not old, sorry, not young, right? I think they got some free. I think Struess might be a free. I think one of a couple of those guys are Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent is going to be a free agent. Free yeah. agent, okay. Um, so they're gonna need a point guard. Kyle Lowry's 38, about to be 37. Sorry, 37, about to be 30, you know, 37, gonna be 38 next year. Right? Jimmy Butler's already 33. So they're not, I mean, this is their window. So if you're the Celtics, you gotta do something. It can't just be raining threes. It looks great when it works. When it doesn't, we get it last night. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and I, last week we, at least I did, we kind of rationalized the fact that it's not solely his fault. But to your point, this is a big game where you have to make adjustments. And honestly, it feels as though, like, it's good that they got out in this round because, God forbid, they sneak past Miami and then now they're embarrassed even on an even bigger stage. I think this hopefully was a lesson learned. But quickly, because we're I don't want to make excuses for them, but I do think that we should acknowledge the two serious-ish injuries that occurred. So J- Jason Tatum sprains his ankle, first play of the game. But then Robert Williams, which was just reported today, and I can say I've actually seen the video of him vomiting throughout the game, and it looks like he was dealing with something very serious. Like, at one point, you see it all over his jersey. What do you think there's much to be said for the fact that those two were clearly not pl- you know, playing on 
limited strength, but also there might be other injuries or illnesses that we might not be aware of just yet. What do you think, Gary? Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely, you got to take Tatum's injury into account. Like he just wasn't the same. It was, it's unfortunate. He went up, he attacked the rim. He kind of, uh, lost his balance when, when, uh, Vincent kind of stood there, then he backed up and, and he rolled his ankle kind of getting, you know, backing up and it, and it looked bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure we'll find out that it was grade three sprain or whatever it was that might've taken, you know, and he tried, but other guys got to step up too. And the fact is, is that, you know, if Brockton isn't cutting it, you got to put somebody else in. This is what you got all this depth for. But that's what, quite honestly, Brad Stevens got to take, you know, your midseason acquisition was Mike Muscala, who didn't even play in the playoffs. Yeah. Your free agent signing was Blake Griffin, who didn't play in the playoffs. Like, you know, and I'm talking about like, okay, the Heat, they got Kevin Love. I'm not saying Kevin, Kevin was, you know, rendered – like he didn't play much toward the end, but he did play early. He, he did make some. Yeah. He did make a difference in game two. Mm-hmm. Or game, it might have been game one. I'm not saying Kevin Love's perfect. He's on the back nine, and you know, who knows if he'll be in the league next year? Maybe he'll be on the into somebody's bench. But you, you, you bring in Cornette, and you bring in Blake, and you bring in, uh, you know, Muscala, and they're on. Like either Joe thinks they're unplayable or everybody thinks they're unplayable. So you don't have that depth that you thought you had. And I just Which think how's the point of having a roster that full when you you don't play more than you don't play anybody. Play. And then you don't, when guys go down. And then you, yeah, you I don't and the that. trade deadline comes and you sign Mike Muscala, who you figured after two weeks, okay, we can't play. There's a reason why he's not playing. Mm-hmm. And that's think that's that's a Brad mistake. Like you got to sign a guy who can contribute. That's what the trade deadline is for. Yeah. They got a guy in there who's just like, okay, he can shoot, but somehow they didn't have confidence in him because he was on the end of the bench. Like it's just, it's like I don't know who, whether it's Brad or Joe, but the Pritchard stuff was even to the me, grant, the grant, grant like, thing. Also- like it was just like. You got all these guys sitting there and they don't play. And I'm not saying put Blake in there for key minutes, but if you're having trouble rebounding, you need some physicality, maybe he can give you something, mm-hmm. you know, um, because to me, Al, this is a, this is a series that Al got really exposed for his age and, and his limit, limitations. Sure. They didn't sign him to an extension already. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how much you can rely on Al next year, because as an elite defender, as a three, like the three wasn't going down. He doesn't score in the paint anymore. Now I think Al's an amazing guy, and he did what he could for, like he you said, was, his yes. age this year. He you could tell he was hungry. He would step in with plays. Defensively, he, he wasn't is. very good against Adebayo. He had right. that big block in Game Six. Like he's had his moments. I'm not saying he tr- don't get me wrong, but he's a 36 year old big man, right? Almost 37 um, next week. He'll be 37 in a couple of weeks. Or like, I think, like next week or something. He, I remember someone said during the finals. Yeah. You know, so he'll he be 30, he's 37. He'll be 37 next year. How much can you rely on him? And I think that we've seen that you can't rely on Robert Williams to give you 30 minutes a game. There's something always happening. He got hurt in, he got hurt in game six. 
Um, last night, stomach things just happened to Robert. Yeah, and he hasn't, and I don't know if that's the coaching staff or, but he's not developed any post game. Yeah, and so he's 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 like just a and jumping. Last night's a game where you needed that, and no needed, one would have been the guy. You needed somebody to go one on one, get to the mm-hmm. free throw line, like how they had isolation with out of bio, okay. and. Like you need, and I'm not saying Bam ain't, Bam ain't perfect, or Bam is is like Robert should be looking to Bam, but Robert don't have that handle the ball, put it between his legs. Bam's a versatile dude for a big, like he is like the 20th, 21st century big man, right? Um, except he don't shoot threes. But I just think like the injuries made a difference. Brogdon, I, I I'll give him a break on that. But you saw Kwani, like they just didn't compete. They they gave up. Like, not saying it was like game three, but they kept wanting these shots to go down. And I just remember the one possession, I think it was like they had gotten it down to eight or eleven. I can't remember which uh and Jalen, they get a stop and Jalen pulls up oh, for yeah. like a 28 foot three. Mm-hmm. When your when your shit ain't going down, miss, and I think. I think Miami came back and hit a three or something like that or scored. And it was like, and that's when you could physically see that they were just, defeated. it was up to 10 again or something. Cause it was like, if, if Jalen, I think it was like 68, 61, something like that. I I, I want to say, and then they get the ball and okay, here comes Jalen or 69, 61. One of those things, one of those like eight point game and Jalen pulls up like on a break and just like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a do hero ball playing. And then I think, Caleb Martin, surprise, 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 he comes back with a three, and I think it was like 72-61. And it's like, damn, you had a chance to cut it to five, now it's 11. Something like that, five, six-point switch. And that just killed their momentum. And to me, like, it's just like, that's not injuries. That's lack of execution. Marcus Smart was, was erratic. There, yeah, throwing the ball they over, throwing, throwing the ball, you know, doing these trick plays, and oh, I'm gonna back up and shoot a three, shoot a shoot a step back three. Like, no, that's not your game. The one thing that Miami players know their freaking roles. You ain't seeing Max Struess take fools off the dribble or take a step. Like Max is a shooter. Gabe's a penetrator and shooter. Caleb's a penetrator and shooter. Bam, don't take no threes. Jimmy. Takes threes when he's when when he feels it. like they all have a role. Like I don't know if that's the case for the Celtics. Like I think everybody feels like I can score, I can be the man tonight, and that's not a good way to go. And to me, the injuries made a difference, and it cost them that Brogdon and, and, and a good part of Tatum. But I think it was the other guys that let him down. Well, the, the one thing about these two teams is that uh, and we've touched on this before is, is that the Celtics may be the more talented team uh, but Miami is without question the more mentally tough team and if you're the Celtics you're hoping that that talent will play with enough of an edge and be able to execute well enough to compensate for what they don't have in terms of mental toughness compared to Miami and that didn't happen uh, they didn't execute as well as they needed to they did not play with the necessary edge uh, often enough. And when they did play with it, it, it was well after, uh, you know, they were in that three Oh series deficit. So at that point, are you playing 
for are you playing because you're now mentally engaged or are you just playing to save face? Uh, which it felt like game four, that was kind of what that was about. Just let's just not get swept. Uh, let's go all out to make sure that we don't be on that ledger of history books. Uh, and that led to another win and another win. And now they're back into it. And and the, the biggest thing that, that bothered me about game seven was that uh, Spo was still making adjustments, still tweaking things. I mean, the fact that Kevin Love did not play, and that was a guy that started for them. The fact that Zeller did not play a kid, their first big off the bench. He made the adjustment based upon what he'd seen, that I'm going to go super small, and I'm going to force them to either go small with us, or if their bigs are hurting us, then we can get out of it. But we're, we're going to do something that I, as a coach, feel is going to work and tilt this series in our favor. And that never happened with the Celtics. And there were so many opportunities for them to do a really small tweak that could have made a world of difference. For example, when Miami went to the zone defense, and Gary, you touched on, on what, I, what I, was, I was thinking about during the game. Al Horford, when he flashed into the middle of the paint, that shot's right there. He has a wide open shot. And one of three things are going to happen at that point. Either Al is going to shoot that shot, or there's going to be someone for the Celtics cutting to the basket, and Miami will take that away. Or Al will just make the pass for a layup. Or if they contest the shot and he doesn't have that passing lane, he's got someone in the corner most likely open because that, that zone tends to shrink when you get the ball in the middle of the paint. And every single time Al got it, he'd catch and swing it out automatically. Like time, he wasn't even looking to shoot. Didn't even give it, did not even cross his mind. And there were times, and Gary and Quan, you both saw this, he had a layup a couple of times where there was no one between him and the rim but air. And that, to me, is one of those things where you as a coach, you need to tell your players, if you have it in the middle of the paint and there's no one around, just let's get it easy, too, instead of looking for the three. Because we need to score points. We need to, particularly when you knew that Tatum was not going to be himself. When you knew that ankle was going to be an issue, you weren't sure how much of an issue, but you knew he wasn't going to be himself. You have to find alternative means to generate offense. And I just thought the Celtics, they failed time and time again to recognize the opportunities that they had. And people are going to, you know, dump on Jalen for the eight turnovers. And, and understandably so. You can't be that alpha and have those many turnovers, particularly when you're not a playmaker. It's one thing if James Harden has eight turnovers, because chances are James Harden is going to have 14, 15 assists. That's kind of how that stuff works. But Jalen doesn't distribute the ball well enough to have that many miscues. And yet, the one thing I will say is that Jalen's turnovers, more times than not, wasn't because he was being lazy. He was just trying to make a play. He was trying to engage himself in the action. And even though I don't like to see that, and I definitely thought he was trying too hard, the fact that he was trying was, just, was something I could not say was pretty evident by a lot of his teammates. It felt as though they just kind of we're going to go through the motion. You know, Marcus Smart, I don't remember, I don't think there was a single time all game long where Marcus was on the ground. I'm not sure he, there was one play where he was diving for a loose ball. Like hustle, yeah. There was, there was, and again, he's the guy that typically is the one who generates the hustle plays. He's the one that usually gets that side of the game going. And to the point that Gary made earlier about players in certain roles, the guys who had roles that were accustomed to seeing them in did not do those roles at all. I mean, Marcus, I didn't think had great hustle in that game. He was okay, but not great. You know, Jalen, you know, likes to finish and attack the rim. Again, had his moments where he was good, but not great. The bench, Grant Williams, you know, uh, 
Malcolm, obviously, dealing with his health issues, none of them were great in the roles or, frankly, in, in, in a broad general sense. And when that happens uh, and you're playing a team that already, we all agree, is a much more mentally tough, tougher team than you, you're going to get your ass kicked, which is exactly what happened. So if we had to break it down and dish out a slice of blame pie for this Celtics team, who would you give the biggest slice to now that it's over? Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Joe Missoula, or you can add someone else into the mix, but those are the main three. Missoula. I, I, was, I would say only because of the people that we, we were talking about. Um, when you get to the playoffs, your game has to be notably better than it was in the regular season. You have to show significant growth in that moment. You have to be at the absolute pinnacle of whatever you're going to be in terms of greatness. And Joe never got there. I think Joe had flashes of being very good, but he, he wasn't uh, great by any stretch of the imagination. And Jalen and Jason, they had moments where they reminded us why they were first and second team all NBA. Didn't have enough of those moments, but they certainly did enough to, to remind you why they're, they're so widely considered among the best players in the NBA. Joe Mazzula looked like a rookie head coach. Um, going against arguably the best head coach in the NBA, in Eric Spolstra. Uh, and there, there were the obvious changes that Spolcher made as far as like lineup changes, but there were more subtle ones, like the way that he tweaked his own defense and, and the way that he utilized his personnel. I mean, let's let's be honest. Haywood Highsmith is not a name that people knew about or, or care about before the series. He had one of the bigger plays in game seven when he picked Tatum's pocket uh, and got a layup, which led to, I think it led to a timeout by the Celtics. You start going down the line, that's what you're – you have to be in position to do those type of things. And the only way players are going to be in a position to do those type of things is with the head coach of making sure they're out there. And I, again, I, I thought Joe, if you look at the entire body of work, just wasn't good enough uh, for this team to get to where they needed to be. Didn't do a good enough job of putting guys in positions to be great. Now, will he get better in time? Probably. But when you're talking about winning NBA championships, and we all know this, that window is not going to stay open forever. Uh, when you have an opportunity, you have to make the most of it. Uh, and th this season, you know, while there are certainly lots of positives that they can feel good about, the bottom line is, as multiple players said after the game, they failed. They failed to achieve what the goal was this year, which was to get back to the NBA Finals and win the championship. Yeah, um, I think the easy one would be Missoula. I'm going to blame Missoula. Brad Stevens and Jalen Brown. And I like Jalen. Obviously, I'm really good with Jalen. I like him a lot. I think he's a good kid, but he's got to step his game up. I got to get to that next level. The ball handling can't be your primary weakness anymore. Like it just can't happen. I, I understand what Sharad is saying. He was aggressive. He's trying to make plays. It was, you know, it was tearing home. But a lot of that was just dribbling off his knee, his hip losing the ball, getting stripped. Like, you can't have that. You just can't have that in big games. And teams are going to, like, and this is the biggest stage where all, everybody's watching. And every and the same thing last year with Jalen's handle. And then it was supposed to be improved this year. And he works with Tony Dobbins, and I, I like Tony. Like, they worked it hard. And, but it's like, Jalen's got a, it should be a wake-up call. Like, 
get into the lab, Jalen, and like get to that next level. Um, so the eight turnovers, I can't just buy and the one for nine from three-point shooting. When he's got a reliable mid-range game and that they were inviting him to shoot at, at times. Um, but he's also got to work as a playmaker. He's got to be able to pass the ball well. Like no more just I can put the ball in the hoop. Like you gotta look at you gotta look at the numbers. Jimmy Butler, 28 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Okay. And you know who you know who second he was second to on assists for the for the Heat? Out of bio who had seven. Like that's all around play. Okay. Jalen had five assists with eight turnovers, but eight to five turnover ratios terrible. Tatum had four. Tatum was trying to do a little bit of everything. He had four turnovers. Um, Marcus Smart had four, but I'm blaming Brown. I'm going to blame Missoula for, like you said, lack of adjustments, that stubbornness. You know, I mean, like, I feel like the stubbornness is just the, the stubborn act is old. Okay. You're getting lapped. You got a lot to learn. And I, I don't think he's like, arrogant but just like like i got this and no we don't need to change that like no you do need need to change some things you did need to become a better defensive team you did need to go deeper into your bench you know like you need i mean it's like you know the heat went eight deep if you call haywood highsmith but kyle lowry was a plus 26 in his 24 minutes Duncan Robinson had, had 10 points. He was a plus 17 in his 20 minutes. Like, they all have roles. If you throw Grant, his role might vary from one game to the next. And I think that they have to make some decisions on roster. They have to um, get some defined roles. And they got to get a better offensive system. Like, they got to score in the paint. That's Joe. And I blame Brad for, again, having a bunch of guys on the roster who don't – Hauser, Pritchard, Corner, Cornette, Muscala, Justin Champagne, who's just there for the ride, and Blake Griffin. You got six guys on, on the roster who just don't play right. and don't can't play in the playoffs. And that was a problem last year where you had all these guys on the team that were nice guys that were occupying roster spots. And it's just like, including Hauser, but this was supposed to be the year that Hauser took a step forward and was really ready to contribute on the playoff team. Okay, because they saw how they botched the whole Max Struess thing, right? And don't think Struess doesn't remember that, getting cut so they could – they could sign Taco Fall. Which Taco two- Fall did address that today. I I will read you the tweet if you haven't seen it already. Oh boy! Just because it is relevant, I was like, I, I need to bring this up. So someone, yeah, sees had shoot in camp and cut him for Langford and Newsmith. That's what some fan thought. But someone quote tweeted saying, "No, it's even worse. They cut him for Taco to keep Taco." Taco replied, "Wrong, Keith. Also, I'm just grinding, enjoying my family, and minding my business. Please leave my mate my name out of this." And congrats to my guy, Max. Just a little. That was three hours ago on Tuesday. So mm. he's very much in the loop. But continue. I just I felt. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> but I just, I just think I blame Brad, too, for not 
You know, you had Jawan Jawan Morgan. You had dudes on the roster last year that were nice guys but can't play. And I thought Hauser is what I'm like. I thought he was supposed to stretch the floor. And I just think what Spolster did, Spolster, because remember, Duncan Robinson out of the rotation. Then Tyler Hero got hurt. So what's, what a good coach does, and I'm not saying Missoula can't get to this level one day, is these are your strengths and weaknesses. I'm going to put you in the game to accentuate your strengths. Mm. Just work your ass off on defense, Duncan. I'll make I'll help you get open threes and cuts to the basket. Okay, you'll you'll play 15 minutes and you'll have a defined role. Max Struess, just play tough defense. I'll get you open threes because all those guys got limitations. And we'll see um, how those limitations fit against Denver, which is a deep, deep, deep team. Denver got bruhs on the bench. They have plenty of dudes. And the Celtics were supposed to change that this year. So I blame Brad, too. All right, final question for me. What is the biggest question that you want answered about this season? You got it, obviously. Biggest question that I want answered, mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do? With, I, I just think, like, the coaching staff has to be addressed. Like, the coaching, you got to have some stability. If you want stability and you want Joe, either you got to – you gotta you gotta surround Joe with some quality veteran assistance, and you got and you gotta get a defensive coordinator. If the defense is slipping, and I think Malcolm Brogdon's comments were very telling after the game, like we're not a defensive team, we were. You can't be a better offensive team than defensive team um, in this league and expect to win, which the Celtics were. Then you need a defensive coordinator. You need a Tom Thibodeau type. You need a guy who can run your defense. And that should be their offseason. Like, you know, don't even pick up a ball the first two weeks of training camp. Work on defensive stuff. Like, I think the coaching staff is going to be critical to the future of this team. If you decide to keep Joe Mazzulla, who are you surrounding him with? What kind of people? Are they guys that players can trust and, and want to play hard for? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of questions, but for me, the, the biggest thing is is how are you going to address the holes in your coaching staff? And Gary touched on a couple of them. Uh, specifically, how are you going to address your defense? I mean, when your defense was was exceptional and it was the the bedrock of what you do, you got to the NBA Finals. When you made it a secondary thing this year, where it was about three point shooting and offense and defense we'll we'll get our defense will it'll just come together i guess magically somehow uh and it didn't and then you find yourself oh crap uh we got this Miami Heat team shooting 50% from the field 60% from three point range or vice versa for long for basically the first three quarters and we're we're swimming upstream the entire game or entire series so how the Celtics address all those holes in that coaching staff we're talking about feeling you know Will Hardy uh, David Stoudemire, and plus there's going to be uh, at least two others, I imagine, that coaching staff who are not going to be back next year because they're going to look into opportunities elsewhere, probably with Ime Yudoka in Houston. Uh, so how are they going to fill that out? And specifically, are you going to get the type of coaches that can amplify what has to be at the essence of who you are, which is defense? Uh, that has to change. Joe is going to have to compromise and find a happy medium between being a more offensive-minded team, but not 
completely disregarding the value of being an elite defensive team that goes beyond just the analytics of it. Uh, because if you went by analytics, Sam Howell should be up for defensive player of the year if you go by his defensive rating. And Sam knows damn well. We all know damn well. He's not that he's not an elite defender by any stretch of the imagination. So getting someone who can get that defense in order uh, on that coaching staff, prefer, preferably a couple of people uh, who can really double down on that being more of an emphasis, I think is, is, is how they address that question is going to be huge in determining what this team looks like and how this team will play next season. And my question branches from both of yours and from a more just basic level. I saw the article, the story in The Athletic about how they had to go to Top Golf to build camaraderie essentially. So for me, it's what, why did it take this long for a sense of urgency for them to get along? You don't have to be best friends with your coworkers, but why did it take this long in the season for them to even have a sense that they needed to get along to be successful? So I just want to see what was done this year and how are you going to improve on that next year to make sure that your unit is cohesive. But that's a wrap for this week's episode of the A-List Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back next week. As you know, the game never ends. We'll have postseason coverage. Of course, we'll still be keeping our eye on the NBA Finals as well. For H. Rob Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. This is the A-List Podcast. Thank you for listening. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. 